If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Sutterman. So we are going to go to the telephones. Our second guest is with us today here on a big program. A return visit with the popular California entertainment critic Maureen Solomon, and she's with us today. A few weeks ago, we got to know Maureen as a guest on this program. She was especially ecstatic about the movie Judy, predicting big things for it. How will Judy do in the Oscar results? And we've got the fantastic Maureen Solomon joining us here on our big program. So talk to us a little bit about Judy. Judy, uh, there's a lot of big predictions for this. Give me your thoughts on this. Hi, James. Nice to speak to you again. Yes. I think that uh, Judy's going to do very well because uh, I did win the Golden Globes the other day, I believe, for uh, Renee Zellweger. Fantastic. So I think that will carry on to maybe some other films, but there were a few good films uh, that came out, but I did enjoy Judy very much. As I said, it's not a film... For everyone, but it was a, a great tour de force for an actress, if you will. We so, have got um, uh, the great <laughs> Maureen Solomon with us today. She joins us live here on our broadcast. She is a fantastic entertainment critic, and she's with us today here on the broadcast. So uh, y- y- give me your thoughts and reaction uh, from the Golden Globes and, and what you heard from that. Well, I think that um, there were just a few films that kind of dominate everything, and it might be Joker, 1917, and um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman. So I'm, you know, I think it's kind of close between Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I prefer, I think 1917, I think, was an outstanding movie. Also not for everyone, because it was a very harsh look at World War One, And um, a lot of people might find that difficult to watch but it had extraordinary photography and i think it will win for cinematography it might win for some kind of uh, other thing like a original screenplay and it was based on a true story so i think that was very interesting also um quentin tarantino's film once upon a time in hollywood was quite good um i'm not a big fan of dicaprio but he i think he had a little bit too much screen time and did a little bit too much histrionics, but Brad Pitt really stole that film. So I think that film could do very well. Um, the Irishman, I don't really know about that. A lot of people were turned off by the length of it. That was about three and a half hours. Um, personally, I found it a little bit slow, um, and I prefer a lot of the older Scorsese films, uh, Goodfellas, to be one of them. Um, and there's a lot of talk about Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. So, um, you know, it's anybody's guess as who will win for best actor. It could be Joaquin Phoenix, I think. Uh, for actress, I think it'll be Zellweger. And supporting actor, I think it definitely should be Brad Pitt. Supporting actress should be Kathy Bates, I think, for Richard Jewell, which was um, Clint Eastwood's film about the real-life story of the man accused of uh, the bombing. Uh, and he was unjustly accused and he was found to be innocent but it did ruin his life and the toll it took on him and his family in fact they're doing a 
a similar movie on uh, one of the TV stations, Lifetime, the same story, even after Clint Eastwood's film Jewel just came out. So it's kind of interesting. And that was a very good film, too. Um, none of these films are happy, what can I tell you, but they're, they're thoughtful. I think a lot of films are interesting and thoughtful. I heard a lot about Marriage Story. I haven't seen it yet, but the subject matter is also kind of a downer about divorce. It reminded me of Kramer versus Kramer. So we'll see what happens. There's a few good choices there among the actors and the films. So, uh, so, so Maureen, we, we have got a, a great guest with us today, Maureen Solomon with us today, entertainment critic, and... Uh, Tell me a little bit about this uh, this 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 new movie that everybody is gaga about. This nineteen what is it? Nineteen fourteen. Nineteen seventeen. That's it. Nineteen seventeen. Tell us about it. Yeah, nineteen seventeen. Uh, the beginning of World War One for America. We got into the war in nineteen seventeen to nineteen eighteen, whereas Europe was involved from nineteen fourteen to nineteen eighteen. So this was about two British uh, troops, young men, really very young who were tasked with a mission to deliver a message to uh, 1,600 troops who would have been slaughtered. There was a trap being laid for them, and these two young men were, were given the mission to go and get the message to the troops so that they could survive. It was pretty hairy, pretty intense, because the photography was mind-boggling. It was hard to see how they did this. I still have yet to figure out how they did this, but they had the camera, uh, alongside of these men as they went through the foxholes, as they went above land, as they went over berms and mountains, uh, as they went into caves and bunkers. Uh, and it was just tremendously interesting, although it was exhausting because the photography was in one continuous shot. So I have yet to figure out how they did it. There was maybe one or two cuts uh, in it, but it was really amazing. So I think for cinematography it should win. And it was based on a true story that Sam Mendes, who is the director and writer, co-writer, uh, was told to him by his grandfather when he was a young man, a little boy maybe, uh, about these two boys that had brought a message to save some troops. So he kind of did some research on it and expanded it and wrote a whole script about it. And it's, that's really the whole story. There, I've heard some complaints about it that there wasn't character development, which there really wasn't. But it, wasn't, it was only about a day or two in the lives of these young men. And I won't say what happens, but it's grisly. It's, it's, it's heart-rending. And the effects look so real that I couldn't even tell you know, how they did it. I'm still figuring it out and still looking into it. But it was very, very um, incredible film. So much happened to this young man, what he goes through to try and save the troops, is that you're pretty exhausted by the film's end. But... From reviews I've read of people who've seen it, they seem to feel that it's a, an astounding film. And um, I've seen many World War II films, World War I films, classics that I love, like They Gave Him a Gun and things with Spencer Tracy, Franco Tone, and Clark Gable from World War I, or All Quiet on the Western Front with Lou Ayers, which were terrific films. But this is a new kind of filmmaking. This is the kind of filmmaking where they, br they put you right there with the soldiers. So you are, are enduring everything along with them. So it is. it can be kind of exhausting, but it's also thrilling. So I would recommend people see that film. Also, to see what World War I was like and the tremendous toll 
it took on, on Europe, it took on America, it took on the soldiers, it took on the animals who were sent over there to fight and help the soldiers. Uh, it's just an incredible portrayal. It looks very, very real and lifelike. So you're not going to see that very often. So I think it's a good film for people to see, James. We have got uh, a great guest with us today. Maureen Solomon joins us here in a broadcast, California entertainment critic, and uh, she's with us today here on the telephone talking a little bit about these fabulous films. And um, we were just talking about 1917. Um, what do you look for in a motion picture to give it high raves? Is it mainly the story or the acting? Break that down for us. For me, it's the story. It's always the story. It starts with the writer. It starts with the written page. The writer is never given enough credit throughout Hollywood history. I can tell you a story um, that Gloria Swanson said once. She was at Grauman's Chinese Theater uh, in the 1920s, and they were there for a picture, to honor a picture, and everyone was introduced to go up on stage except for one person, the writer. The writer was forgotten. So that, that really, you know... That really hung true for me. That's the thing that I know to be true, that writers don't often get the credit they deserve. But I think you have to have good writing. You have to have a beginning, a middle, and an ending, which a lot of films today don't have that. They seem to just go on and on in the same uh, mode without a beginning, middle, and ending, without any kind of um, high points and things like that. You also need to have um, a good ending, which is important, that's satisfactory, that doesn't leave the, the audience upset, which has happened to me on a few occasions. And it's also good to have wit and humor if you have that kind of a, uh, a writer. Even in the most sad or tragic film, you can still have some wit and some humor. I also think you have to have unusual characters. Uh, an unusual story. You have to give the characters some kind of a de depth and some kind of a backstory, like what, where did they come from, what are they like, what have they done, where are they going. And one of the things that's very important to me is foreshadowing, which is in the beginning of a film, say within the first 15 minutes or so, you know what the main characters want. They may even state it. They may even say, well, I want to become a famous uh, star. I want to become the greatest swordsman, or I want to become—I want to marry somebody who's uh, the most famous person in the world, or something—and you know what their goal is, and then the the movie it becomes how do they achieve that goal? So the foreshadowing in a character, I think, is very important, and they don't do that pretty much anymore in films, but they did do it in old movies, and if you watch the old movies, they're always going to tell you what they want and what they want to do. I want to be the best pool player, and then it becomes. Uh, you know, becomes the hustler or something like that. So that's very important. And I think the other thing is, which is very important too, is to have some kind of inventive direction and editing because uh, the director can either make the film boring or they can make the film interesting and exciting by the way they shoot it. And then, of course, the editor has to do the work of putting it together. And the way the editor sees it can also be either suspenseful or it can be sort of drab. And I knew one of the best editors in Hollywood, uh, who was the head of editing at Warner Brothers, and he was there for about 40 years because he knew how to edit a film. He edited Key Largo, as a matter of fact, and Dial M for Murder for Hitchcock, and he did um, Preetzee's Honor, was his last film for um, John Huston. So, you know, it's a very important job editing, 
and I think most directors will tell you that it's done in the editing room, and I think anybody who wants to make films should read books on editing and how to edit. But writing, to me, James, is the most important thing of all. It starts on the page. We have got Maureen Solomon with us today. She is a fantastic film critic, and uh, she joins us today here on our big program. We're going to take a brief time out. When we come back, we have got more coming up with Maureen Solomon here on our big program. Talk with Jiggy right now at 1-866-763-1242 and email JiggyJagwire at JiggyJagwire.com. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are live coast to coast and boulder to boulder on TuneIn, iTunes, TalkShoe.com, iHeartRadio, and 50-plus AM FM stations across the country. And around the world, get a hold of us each and every week. We are live as live can get each and every day at JiggyJagwire.com. Check us out each and every week at J-I-G-G-Y-J-G-U-A-R.com. 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, 1 PM Mountain Standard, iHeartRadio, Twitch live stream each and every Sunday. Talk America Live each and every Saturday. Let's talk a little bit about our next new marketing partner here at Transmedia Worldwide. It's a fantastic GoFundMe campaign. Fight Series Post Development. Let's talk a little bit about these folks. This is a fantastic Fantastic GoFundMe campaign. Fight is a modern gladiator story about a young man getting sucked into a human fight trafficking ring after simply trying to help pay for his kid's sister to be treated for an illness. They shot everything, including an epic fight scene choreographed by the amazing Saulu, and now only need to raise funds for post-production and editing. And we know how important that is here when we make our, our program Post-production and editing is where most of the money goes. So let's help out these folks today. The writer and producer wrote the story to not only bring attention to human trafficking, but also to break the barriers between all genders, races, and backgrounds. And trust me, they didn't hold back on the action. The creative partner and lead actor, Danny Barisha, and the people who are making this film would greatly appreciate any contribution to finalizing this important project. Please help them with the final process of putting fight together. Check it out today over there at GoFundMe.com. Search fight series post development. They are absolutely amazing. They are an action-packed film project meant to shine a light on the very prominent, serious issue of human trafficking in today's world. Please give them support. Anything is appreciated. Let's get back into it. Maureen Solomon with us today. She joins us live here in a broadcast, California entertainment expert. And uh, she is absolutely amazing. So uh, tell us about your background in showbiz. I understand you grew up in Florida. How does the Florida of today compare with the Florida you knew growing up? It's very, very different. It was a very quiet, beautiful town. But the entertainment scene on Miami Beach was absolutely incredible. There were every single hotel, and you know there were one hotel after another being built and culminating in the Fountain Blue, which was the biggest and the most beautiful of the time. They all had great entertainment. 
And if you were to look at an entertainment page in the newspaper, you would see about 20 different uh, famous people performing at all the hotels, such as Marie Chevalier and Sophie Tucker, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, Mel Torme, uh, Judy Garland. Uh, anybody would be there. And then there would be the comedians and lesser stars and big bands and combos and things. So it was really an incredibly exciting place. In addition to a lot of um, stars had their own nightclubs down there. So I think maybe a lot of it was because there was some mafia also, but there was a lot of different entertainment clubs there. I know Martha Ray had a club called the Five O'Clock Club, and she had entertainment, and she probably performed. My mother used to go there. And there were just wonderful places, wonderful places to eat and everything. And downtown Miami was good, but not the entertainment center. Today, it's, it's changed because in the late 60s, they had a lot of the, um, the Cuban immigration came in, and there was some kind of, there was a lot of unrest there. They even stopped the, um, the locomotives and trains from coming downtown because they were afraid of bombings and all kinds of things. And then, of course, that graduated into the big drug scene that took over Miami as witnessed in the film Scarface with Al Pacino, which was a remake of uh, a 1930s film with Paul Muni, which was about an Italian gangster, but they made Scarface about the Cuban gangsters and the drug thing that came in. So Miami went through a very bad phase, and I don't think there was much going on there entertainment-wise, but I think it's come back a bit. Um, I think that there's little clubs there now, and there's um, the hotels are starting to show some entertainment. Um, I don't think it'll ever be like it was because it was wide open for for everything there. And also people would go to Cuba in the 40s and 50s for entertainment as well because it was legal then. So it's not quite the same. But then again, because we don't have big bands, we don't have combos, we don't have a lot of great jazz musicians, you're not going to see that kind of musical scene anymore. And we also don't have the great composers that we had so uh, one by one, you know, they leave us, and we're left with, uh, you know, canned music, which I find awful. I don't like canned music in stores, restaurants, or anywhere in theaters. So until we can get some music back and appreciate the great American songbook, which was the greatest in the world, I don't think that we're going to have as much great entertainment until we start to find that again. And uh, Michael Feinstein is a great example of that promoting uh, the American Standard Classic, you know, songbook in his um, shows, and also he has a foundation in Indiana. So it has changed a lot. Um, New York is New York is a little bit better than Los Angeles because they'll honor people like Noel Coward, and there's that big Broadway scene there. So that's still going on, uh, except for the fact that they do too many remakes and sequels and things like that. And I think even um, Marty Scorsese just mentioned he got a lot of flack for saying that today all the movies are comic books and remakes, and he doesn't feel there's real cinema anymore. So everybody got very angry at him for saying that. But it's true. He's absolutely right. The truth hurts. But, uh, you know, we need entertainment that's going to uplift people. And one of the ways to uplift people is through humor and through music. So those are two things that we need very, very, very badly these days, James. We have got Maureen Solomon with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast and Border to Border on TalkShoe, also iHeartRadio today. So, uh, Maureen, uh, gearing up here for the Oscars, 
any uh, any surprises uh, that that you see? I don't I don't see any surprises. I'm thinking maybe Tom Hanks, who did a beautiful day in the neighborhood, where he portrayed Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Um, who knows? That could he could get it for that. It, you know, it was a, a good performance. I thought he he channeled Fred Rogers pretty well, but he wasn't Fred Rogers to me. He came off more like a saint than Fred Rogers. Fred Rogers was a man, and he was you know funny. But uh, Tom Hanks portrayed him like a saint, and because Tom is very popular, he may get the Oscar for supporting actor because there was another actor who had a larger role of a reporter. But uh, my favorite for that would be Brad Pitt because he really stole the show in Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. So I, we'll see if that happens. As far as any surprises, um, I don't know. I think if Joaquin Phoenix gets it for Joker, a lot of people will be surprised, but they'll be happy because he is a very good actor um, for Best Picture. I hope it's 1917, but um, who knows? The Irishman may take all the, uh, all the honors. But I just think that that's not a film for everyone, and we'll see if, if uh, Scorsese's uh, momentum can carry on through. He said that this may be his last uh, film that he makes, so uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but there's always a surprise or two, but a lot of times it's what people predict, so we'll see. We have got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here in the broadcast. Maureen Solomon is with us. And uh, have you ever thought about writing a book or, or, or putting something like that out there? I'm doing it now. I'm doing a book about my life, which would be about my teenage years, because they were very interesting and different than most teenagers. And also it was a real fun time growing up with the Beatles and all the English invasion and even the, the comedy of the British Invasion, which came a couple years before the Beatles, like Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, uh, Anthony Newley's wonderful shows. I got to meet him and see his shows, you know, when he started out with um, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. So uh, that, seeing those wonderful plays and musicals and going to Radio City and seeing wonderful musicals that had just come out, like the last musical films Fred Astaire made, that Mario Lanza made, that Gene Kelly made. Uh, I think that people are interested in that because when I'm reading on the internet and I'm listening to, say, some music, uh, some band or somebody like Benny Goodman or Mel Torme or Tony Bennett, and I read the comments by the people on YouTube and they say, I wish I had been born in this time. I'm only 13, but I love this music. Or I'm 16 and I listen to this all day. And why couldn't I have been born then? And, and how, why do I love it so much? So I know there's a need and a yearning for that kind of entertainment. So I feel that if I could just open a little window for people telling them what it was like when I was growing up, uh, I think that they'd really enjoy it because that's what I've heard firsthand from people. So I am writing a book about that time in my life, and I'll add other things about, you know, later on who I met in Hollywood, who I... Uh, worked with. I worked with Richard Pryor for a couple of years. I worked with Roseanne, and um, I worked at the Bob Hope family uh, office, and uh, I've got to know a lot of people like George Siegel and um, Milton Berle, and I, my favorite of all, of course, was knowing Fred Astaire and his sister Adele, and Hermes Pan, who was the choreographer for Fred Astaire and for Rita Hayworth, Betty Grable, and they were wonderful people, and they added a lot to my life. So I think people want to hear about that. 
and they want to know what it was like growing up in a time when we were dancing and singing all the time. I don't see that happening too much anymore. Do you? <laughs> no. no, 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 no. I know, and I think music and, and humor are the two things that are kind of lacking. And I think if we had that, it's like medicine. It actually will heal you. I think it will heal your mind, your body, your soul. And I think it's very important. That and having an animal or animals are the two things that I think keep people healthy. So I hope that things change with music and humor and, and comedy. And I hope people, you know, get more animals in their lives and help the Australian animals in the fire right now, which is really serious. But um, these are the kind of things that I'm interested in and I am writing about. And I find that other people, I hope that it entertains them as well. So I'm going to keep on doing it. And um, maybe there'll be a second book that'll come out about uh, friendships with Fred Astaire and Adele Astaire and things like that. But right now, I want to concentrate on uh, what it was like growing up in a time when it seemed to be uh, everlasting fun. And we, you know, we got dressed up, we went out, we danced, we sang, we did that. I don't see that anymore with the ripped jeans and the the ripped clothes and the, uh, the, the, the pants down to your knees and uh, no belts and things like that and sneakers. I want to see people look good again wearing, you know, nice colors and nice clothes. I think that would uplift everybody. So maybe that'll happen around Valentine's Day. Who knows? <laughs> we have got a uh, great guest with us today, Maureen <laughs> Solomon. She joins us here on our big program, 48 minutes past the hour, and uh, Maureen is fantastic. So, uh, how did how did you become such such a big deal in in the film critic world? Well, I grew up watching films because when I was a, a kid, there weren't that many television stations, and what they did as filler was to put on the old movies. And aside from that, there were many great talk shows at the time, like Jack Parr and Steve Allen and other people that I won't mention because they're not familiar. But they had the Million Dollar Movie. They had the uh, the evening shows. They had they play Yankee Doodle Dandy or Follow the Fleet or um, a Dick Powell movie or over and over again, you know, all week long. And I just loved watching those movies. And then again, of course, there was movies coming out, like Marilyn Monroe's films, Let's Make Love. There were the um, foreign films coming out. There were the great musicals. So I, I, you know, grew to love it, and I grew to like all, not only the stars, but the character actors. And there's so many that give me great pleasure when I see them on the screen on TV. And I, I can count all, say, if there's a scene, I can tell you the names of everybody in the scene. So that kind of spurred my interest. And... I think that because it was so uh, entertaining, and I like seeing the the um, the way people dressed and the way they acted and the way they talked in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. You know, there were different words for for women, uh, for like a skirt, a broad, a mall, a Jane. You know, or uh, there were different words for guns or for cops or for uh, different things. They had a slang. That was so interesting to me, and my father was kind of from that world. He was from the Damon Runyon world, and um, the turn of the century, let's say, New York. And it was a really kind of world charactered with people that were very, very unique people. You know, the newsstands, there were like 20 newspapers in New York, and even in Florida there were newspapers. So that kind of um, environment created, you know, a person, a kid, who was a attached to all of that, attached to the entertainment world, attached to the news world, attached to, 
even space, when the uh, Sputnik came out and the Explorer missiles came out, rockets, uh, my brother and I were very interested in that. We kept a scrapbook. We had a telescope. We looked at sunspots. We looked at the moon craters. So I think when I was growing up, we felt very attached to the society around us. And today, with computers and cell phones and things like that, even GP on a car, which I don't have, uh, people are kind of um, losing the intellect to be connected to those things. So I think when I grew up was a much more exciting time, and I wish everybody could experience that. So I would say that's what gave me my interest in music and films, because radio was big, although there was television when I was growing up. I'm not that old, but um, television was really fun then, and radio was a big entertainment and Arthur God, everybody lis listened to Arthur Godfrey. Everybody listened to the Beatles when they came out. So like I said, we were connected to the culture of the society at that time. And I don't think there's a uniform culture anymore. I think people are very split, and they only listen or watch what they like. And it, that's fine, but I think it's, it's, it's a shame that we don't have the music and the comedy and the, the things that kind of inspire us to go on and keep it going. I think that's very important. So that's why I'm writing. And I, like I said, I think people are interested. I hope they'll stay interested. And I hope that I'm interesting, too. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. <laughs> you are uh, pretty amazing, I'll, I'll have Thank to you. say. Um, I, I get my email address, if you don't have it, from Irwin. Um, I have a gentleman by the name of Frank Catolo who would love to... Uh, have you on uh, his program, and I want to get you guys together. So okay. uh, send me an email, uh, and let's set that up because I, I I think that would be fantastic if we could get you okay, guys. I'd love that. I didn't get to put put a, a chance to put in the plug for the book publishers of of publicists of Southern California. Well, go ahead and mention it. Go ahead. Let's talk about okay. it. Okay. I just wanted to say that the way that you and I got connected, James, was through the. Um, Book Publicist of Southern California, which is an organization that's run by Irwin Zucker. Yes, and indeed. He's, uh, he's like, uh, he's in his 90s, and he's a... You wouldn't uh, know it that he was in his 90s, by the way. No, he's a <laughs> Guy is fantastic. And he called me up last night and said, can you do it? And I said, yes. And he says, okay, keep talking, keep talking. And I thought, my God, Irwin, go to sleep already. <laughs> I love that. You know, okay, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it, and keep talking, and, you know. So, and he was writing you the questions. He was calling me again at night. Oh, he's fantastic. So I, I love Erwin. would do anything for him. He's a great guy. <laughs> Even, well, we need Sloane Erwin Zucker. Yes, yes. Yeah. That, that, that would be fantastic. Loverwood. So I do have your email, James. I have it on one of my emails, so I will send it to you. Yes, send send me an email. I want to get you and Frank together because I, I I think that would be fantastic. You 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 are you are right up his alley as far as movies and the people that you have uh, talked to and known and yeah, it 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 would be a bang up thing. So. We're he is, uh, I believe, in uh, Pennsylvania somewhere. Oh, okay. 
And uh, he does a program called Catolo Chronicles. And uh, he used to be the lead writer for Wolfman Jack way back in the day. Oh, my God. So, uh, and, and... Yeah, he was great. He was he, When I first came to California, Wolfman Jack was all over the radio, yeah. So, I... I I think that would be fun. Yeah, uh, send send me some information, um, and uh, we'll get you guys put together because I think that would be awesome. Okay, great. What information do you need, though? Do you know? um, I basically just uh, you know just send send me an email, and I'll get you you know connected with Frank, and we'll just get everybody together. I just basically need a starting point, so. Sounds good. But uh, I appreciate you making time. We've we've uh, we've run out of time, which is uh, not good for us because I wanted to keep talking. But uh, I definitely will have you back, my friend. And uh, send me that email, and we'll get everything put together. I will. Thank you, James, for having me on. I really appreciate you and the fact that you want to ha- you know talk about these subjects and that you're such a great host and interviewer. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful afternoon, Maureen. I will. You too, James. Thank you. Bye-bye. We are going to take a time out and come back. A bare wall doesn't qualify as art, but a movie poster does. The place to get a movie poster to decorate your wall is JustMoviePosters.com. JustMoviePosters.com have posters for dramas, romantic comedies, blockbusters, and more. Most items at JustMoviePosters.com are priced between $7 to $15 plus shipping. Go to www.JustMoviePosters.com.